Welcome everyone to the Credible Nerds Podcast. My name is Justin and today we have part two of our Brandon Sanderson's Rhythm of War release party. We got some audio from that from when it happened back in November of 2020. And this is the second part. Like I said, the first part is episode 51. This is episode 52. So you don't have to listen to the first one, but make sure if you want a complete picture of what happened that night at the release party that was broadcast via, I don't think it was Zoom, but it was a video broadcast instead of an in-person. Make sure you check out part one, which is episode 51 of our podcast. This episode is Isaac Stewart, who is one of the main artists for Brandon Sanderson. You've seen his artwork if you've read any of his books. He has done the maps for Mistborn and some of the other series. Uh, he's also done some some of the artwork that you see throughout the, the novels. And he's he's a pretty nice guy. I've talked to him a couple times at some of the previous release parties. He's really generous with his time and just a down-to-earth guy. Uh, I know he's started to do more stuff than what Brandon Sanderson has. He's he's done some artwork for one of Tad Williams's books. He's done his own book that was released recently but yeah so this is Isaac Stewart and and we we still have one more part we have part three that'll be episode 53 after this one so stay tuned for that as well so here we go with audio from the Brandon Sanderson's Rhythm of War release party from November 2020. All right and we're back to the uh, Rhythm of War launch event I am Isaac Stewart I am Brandon's art director at Dragonsteel Entertainment. Um, he tells the stories tonight. Tonight I show the pictures. Together we are one light weaver. Um, <laughs> so um, some other things I do at uh, Dragonsteel is I, I design the books. I, I help with some of the merch as well. We all wear different hats. If you catch us sometime, we can tell you about it. Um, so. Hopefully everybody has their books in hand now. I want you to pick it up, take a good look at it, okay? Everything in that book had to be designed in some way. It, it had to have some kind of blueprint put together before we, we, we created it. And I'm gonna tell you a little bit about how we go from point A to point B. Not the writing part, not the editing part. We're gonna focus on the art. First off, I do want to tell, uh, give Tor a big applause. They, they listened to what we asked them to do on the book and it turns out beautifully. They let us put tons of art in this. They let us create a book that is unlike your normal hardcover books that you get at, at the store in many ways. So big round of applause please for Tor. All right, so where did this start? It was early 2019 and Tor comes to Brandon and me and sends an email and says, hey, Brandon's gonna write uh, Stormlight, he's gonna start Stormlight 4 this year. What's gonna be on the cover? So each week, Brandon and I have an art review for about half an hour and we talked about that. What is going to go on this cover? We need to write up a description, Um, we use our, experience from the previous covers, and uh, we come up with something. Um, What locations have we shown? Which characters have we shown on the covers? And we narrowed it down to this time, Shalon and Shadesmar. We thought this is the cover that we want. We haven't seen Shadesmar before on a cover. We haven't seen Shalon. 
And uh, I'm going to, we're going to put this on the screen. This is the first one. This is what we sent to Tor. Shalon in Shadesmar, holding her shard blade. Around her are crystalline trees. The book underneath the dust jacket will be purple to match the other, the order of knights radiant in the book. So using purples in the obsidian-like obsidian -like stone and trees might be nice. Um, so that was the description that we sent. And a little while later, once this, this uh, description got sent to our overseas partners and things, I got an email from Petar Penev in Bulgaria. He's an artist and he said, hey, Shalon can't have a shard blade in Shades Bar. <laughs> so uh, thankfully we have people looking out for us and we, we adjusted that to just have Shalon and Shadesmar and, and uh, I'm glad that we were saved from that sort of duh moment. So, um, so uh, we, we talked to Michael about that and then we, uh, we, we send Michael some things, Michael Whalen, who did the beautiful cover that we have. Um, I hope that all of you have been able to go and watch the interview that he, we uh, posted on the YouTube channel. If you haven't, go, uh, go take a look at it sometime. Um, we send him a cover template. And Adam, will you put the cover template up? And we're just giving our best guess. Where is the text going to be? We know where Brandon's name's going to be. Um, and we just kind of put the, the title on there, how it might look. I send that to Michael so he can start sketching up ideas within that. We don't want to wind up having to adjust the, uh, the art later for the text to fit in there. So it's, it's good to have this from the beginning. Um, also very early on in the process, we decided to involve Ben McSweeney um, because uh, he's worked with Michael before doing concept art and that was very helpful. Michael said, let's, let's go ahead and get him involved. And um, Michael said it would be good for us to send him some thumbnails. And the way that this would help, this is thumbnails of what the cover could be. Shalon and Shadesmar is what we gave as the, uh, as the concept. How might this play out in grayscale thumbnails? Um, we do this to explore dead ends so that Michael can see these and say, oh, I don't have to go down that avenue and he can expend his time working more on the thumbnails and the process or the, the concepts that he thinks might pan out a little better. So uh, Adam, if you'll uh, bring up number three there. So number three, we've, we've got a couple of, and they're really rough, they're just grayscale. We've got a little tiny couple of pixels that represent um, Shalon, and then in the background we have a fortress that you see that wound up on the back of the cover. Um, you can go to number four. And uh, this, is, this is Ben and me. We are just exploring different avenues of what the cover could be. We send them to Michael and let Michael use them as he would. Um, at the same time, Brandon's writing the book. We're getting more and more scenes. So when more scenes come through with Shalon and Shadesmar, we're sending some of these to Michael. We're sending him pieces of the book as Brandon says it's ready to go. Um, and we, we explored a couple of other ideas as well. Ultimately, Michael settled on the idea of Shalon on the front, Adolin on the back, with the fortress um, of lasting integrity also on the back. So knowing that Michael wanted Adolin and Shalon on this wraparound dust cover, dust jacket, um, we again went to Ben 
and said, Ben, let's do some concepts of Adolin and Shalon. What, are their what is their clothing like? What is their traveling clothing like? Michael asked us for this because, again, it helps him make sure that, that he's providing a vision um, that we are looking for. And, of course, he does his own take on this as well. Um, so let's, let's put some of those up. So uh, we've got the first one here is a concept of Shalon, I believe. I don't have it right here in front of me. I should just pull them up, huh? And that, that's what we sent to Michael. Next we have the uh, one of Adolin. And you can see that we tried to slip a sword in there again because we wanted a sword somewhere on the cover. So we're like, hey, Adolin can bring a sword. So those are our costumes right there. Um, I think ultimately Michael hit a home run with this cover when he, uh, he, he used all of these elements, he put it together. There were a lot of back and forth where in art review I'd show Brandon the progress, we would give some feedback or make some comments, and Michael was just great. Um, as an aside, uh, the uh, cover is available right now as a print over on his website, so go take a look at that. We have a video from Michael where he talks about um, his process working with us a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about what your process was like working with Tor and with us, Dragon Steel, on, the, on this cover? What was our, our process for coming up with um, the final product here? Um, well, what I, I get a, uh, a partially finished manuscript and uh, because my schedule is so, I get booked up in advance so much. Uh, uh, it's not, and plus Irene, uh, the people at Tor know that I'm, I'm so bad with deadlines that it's important to get something to me, get me working on something as early as possible. So uh, often I'm, I'm working uh, using uh, maybe the first half or two thirds of, uh, of a manuscript on a book and it's a first draft at that. So, um, that, but that there's so much in your books that I don't need more than that to get me going for obviously, but uh, um, there's actually, uh, you know, I, I know it's it's easy for artists uh, working in my field to uh, complain about art direction, but if you want to know the truth with Brandon's books, I could use a lot more art direction. If if I was told we want to see something on chapters two or three or 13 and 12 that would make my job a lot easier because there's so much to consider in these books so many possible avenues an illustrator could go down that and so many story arcs and and uh character tracks and uh plot tracks that are going through the narrative it's uh, i find it overwhelming and uh, uh i find myself uh, illustrating a lot of things that or drawing a lot of things in my sketchbooks or whatever that don't end up um, in the final painting. It's, it's never something that I, I regret because uh, the fans have been very generous in, in wanting to own them and you know that it's something I can uh, develop for my own uh, pleasure and, and sell at a, a convention or art show or on my website or whatever. But um, in terms of getting the painting done on time, I think uh, I could actually use uh, even more uh, art direction. And the thing about Dragonsteel and Tours is that you guys have been almost totally hands off about 
uh, I've never had so much creative freedom on a project as I've had uh, working with uh, you on this. And uh, I really appreciate your uh, willingness to let me kind of have my head on, on where I'm going on, on these things. But after I come up with um, <clears throat> the initial landscape uh, concept, uh, then there's a lot of back and forth between uh, Dragonsteel and me. And uh, Tor has been, uh, like I said, almost hands-off in, in that regard and, and uh, letting us communicate directly, which is such a rare thing. Maybe it's more common these days, but in the 80s and 90s, I had to fight with uh, some of the book companies I dealt with trying to uh, seek input, get input from the author on, on how to correctly visualize a particular character or scene in a book that I feel would be important to have on the book cover, and which I've never understood because it seems very counterproductive to me. But uh, anyway, uh, that that's, hasn't been an issue with Tor Books or with uh, Dragonsteel. So um, it's been extremely helpful for me to see Ben McSweeney's visualizations. He's been an enormous help for me. And um, if I had to come up with some of the, the um, plant forms uh, outside of, of seeing where he was going with them, I feel that I would have really gone astray. And, and his uh, visualizations, which I think are so spot on and have been uh, done in collaboration with Brandon, are an invaluable guide for me. And I can take them and then kind of run with them and, and even uh, carry them a little further in a direction that I think would be um, evocative of, of the, the landscape and the story. But uh, that's been a, uh, an invaluable aid for me and something that uh, I appreciate very much. It's been great, wonderful experience. And uh, I, I think that Michael deserves a huge round of applause for doing this. I, I, I have found that he's not just an amazing artist, he's also an amazing individual. And we are, just, we are so grateful to have him on uh, Team Stormlight, basically. So um, let, let's move on here. So let's rewind back now to March 2019 again, because a lot of things just, we had to put a lot of things in place from the beginning there. Brandon began writing the book, um, and we decided to get a head start on the art. He already had in mind some of the things that we needed. He wanted nine um, Shalon pieces of the Radiant Spren that, uh, that help make Knights Radiant. So um, the first thing that we had to do was go and find out about all the Radiant Spren and which, which ones we knew a lot about and which ones we didn't know a lot about. Karen, our continuity editor, was very helpful in this and compiling a lot of this information. Um, a lot of the information we wound up using to make the uh, Knights Radiant quiz that we uh, released later in the year, this year. Um, so we started gathering this all together, and um, the ones we didn't know a whole lot about, we just kind of left till the end so that Brandon could write the book and fill in some of those details as he went writing the book. We've got Ben McSweeney in again, who does the the uh, Shalon sketchbook pages in every book. And he has done an excellent job with the Spren pieces. And we're gonna start um, showing a few of those. There was an interview with Ben a little bit earlier where he goes through the process of the, how we did the cultivation Spren, the honor Spren, and the ash Spren. And we're, but we're just gonna show all nine of these and 
and, and talk about them a little bit. So, all right, so the first ones here that we have, we have a, a mist spren, the uh, cryptic, and the ash spren. Uh, some of these we talked about earlier in the, um, the video with Ben. Um, but these were, these were a lot of fun to put together. I, I will say that it was, it was interesting on each time I would bring these into um, art review with Brandon and we would, we would discuss where do we want this to go. And sometimes some of these hit the mark right away. And a few of them, it took a few iterations to, to get them to the point where it felt more like what Brandon wanted. Um, it was fun to also see as Ben was drawing his cryptic drawings to see other fan art out there that was hitting the same thing. And I've noticed this with Brandon's art a lot, that, or Brandon's uh, writing a lot, that uh, he can write something and several different artists can interpret it in different ways and yet you know exactly what it is. And I think that, I think that is a, um, a testament to um, the, the details that he chooses to give us, that it evokes something that we can all kind of concretely see very similar things. Um, if we move on to the next, next page, we have the Honor Spren who um, had a, they have a, a big part in the book and we've, we've seen Honor Spren for a really long time. So for Ben to start fleshing this out was a, was a lot of fun. Um, then we have the cultivation spren with a little bit of the uh, sort of window looking character down at the bottom. Um, I'm just showing off art here. And I, one of the things that I really love about this is Ben was able to give each of the kind of the cultures of spren a different sort of clothing or in a different sort of look that evokes this bigger society. Um, behind some of these things. And I, um, I just really, really like some of that stuff. Let's go on to the next one. My favorite one of these, I think, is the simplest one. For some reason, it's the high spren. And um, they look like tears in reality that look out on unfamiliar starry skies. And I just think those are so cool. Next, we have the peak spren that that look a little, little bit like the Unkalaki in their clothing and in their designs. Um, and then the ink spren, which I think is kind of fun. He did a little drawing there at the bottom that looks like Yasna's, the side of Yasna's face with her ink spren sitting there. So Ben did a great job on these. Um, it's great to have him on the team. Um, now let's uh, move on. So another thing that we need, knew we were going to need were end papers. And this is still the books being written. I have to get end papers going. Um, you know from Oathbringer that we have started this series of heralds that, um, and that Brandon, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but you kind of got this idea when um, he went to the Sistine Chapel and saw the different renditions of the apostles. They're kind of this tip of the prophets. Thank you of the different prophets and the different symbols that went with each of the prophets. And he thought, let's do something like that for Roshar, and, but with the heralds. And so we dreamed up this gallery of 10 paintings by different artists that presumably would be in-world Rosharan artists uh, painting this for a gallery somewhere. And uh, part of that idea was that we would commission physical paintings so that we could hang them up somewhere. 
Um, in the last book, we had Howard Lyon do two wonderful paintings. He's here with us tonight. We had Dan Dos Santos do two wonderful paintings as well. We, uh, for this next book, I wasn't exactly sure which heralds we were gonna put on the end papers. And so I commissioned the remaining six, not knowing exactly what we were gonna put in the book. Many of you might remember when we revealed Donato's wonderful Tallinn Herald and wonder, why is that not in the book? It's just that once we got all the heralds in, it just felt like that one needed to be saved for the next book. The same thing with Miranda Meeks. She is painting a beautiful herald for us, and we're gonna save it for the next book and reveal it at a future time. For this one, I contacted Magali Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm saying, she is from France and she is wonderful. Magali Villeneuve. I hope she's watching and can give me a thumbs up on that. Um, so she has done some work previously for us in Warbreaker where she did a beautiful rendition of Vivenna in the, uh, the stone uh, soldier's garden. Um, I asked her if she would be interested in painting one of these heralds or two of them and she said, I only paint digitally. And I was kind of like, oh, I really want Magali to do one of these for us. And so I dreamed up this crazy idea and I, I talked to Howard and I said, Howard, if I can get Mogli to do digital versions of these, would you want to paint our physical versions? And he gave me the thumbs up. We all got in contact with each other. And um, that's where we, we uh, go, go ahead and. So what we have here is the Herald Paelia, who is the Herald of the Truth Watchers, and Kelek. These are our front end papers. You've probably seen them now. You're holding the book. Uh, Kellek is in kind of the command position on this. You open the book, you see him right there, mainly because he is the Wheel Shaper Herald, and his glyph is on the front of this book. The book is purple, the cover is somewhat purple. We wanted to kind of keep that together there. Um, so those are the digital versions, and tonight Howard is here to reveal the um, physical version that he painted for us and talk a little bit about that. So I'm going to give the floor to Howard for a few minutes here. Thanks for having me here. Um, feels good to take off my mask. I can give him mine. that better? Yep. Okay, great. Um, I'm honored to be here tonight and talk a little bit about the art, um, or at least this particular painting. If you want to bring that in now, that's great. Let's see if we can lean it up against that stool. Do you want to put it there? All right. I can hold it up. Okay. I'll step off to the side. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about the normal process of creating an illustration. And uh, just to quickly go over that, um, you're contacted by the, an art director and you do some little thumbnail sketches and that's often the best part of, of the process. And you submit those to the art director and they, um, 
they pick one that they like and you develop that into a, a, a more finished sketch and sometimes that's the best part of the process. And then you take that to color and work out all the values in the colors and then you go through the process of actually executing the painting. And there's a lot of steps and a lot of work involved on that. And that's, that's usually what you go through. There's a lot of work before you actually get to the final uh, painting. Well, in this case, I didn't have to do any of that work. I had this incredible privilege, really the honor, of working with, with Isaac and, and Magali to create this piece, or really to receive the concept from Magali and then be able to execute it in oils. And uh, you know, the images that she created were so beautiful that I really wanted to be true to her, her creation. And uh, there's, there's some subtle changes in it, but uh, that was just um, the result of interpreting it, kind of reinterpreting her work. Um, it's kind of like she designed this castle, uh, quarried the stone, built it, put up the foundation, the timbers, and went through all of that work. And at the end, I got to walk up the stairs and put the flag on the highest you know, tower and say, look what I made. But in reality, she did an incredible amount of work for us to get to this point. Um, I'll also quickly mention the frame by Masterworks Frames, who uh, does an, an incredible job uh, making the frames for it. When you, um, as an artist, often we will do studies of old master's work. And when you do that, it's really like walking in someone else's shoes. You uh, get to understand their sensibilities, their visual cues, their palette, the way they render things. And we don't do that as often with our contemporaries these days. Um, so it was a real treat to do that with Magali's work and, and feel like I, um, I painted with different colors than I would normally choose, to work with a different palette and different visual sensibilities. And I learned a lot from doing that. Um, I, I had the chance to paint a couple other heralds, and I wanted to do more, uh, but I didn't get to be selfish with them. Uh, you know, Brandon and Isaac rightfully wanted a lot of other artists to create heralds and bring their vision to them. Uh, so I felt, uh, again, lucky to be able to uh, touch my hand to a couple more heralds. So I think that's, that's it. Let me hand this back to you, Isaac. Thank you, Howard. So we have a we have a video from Magali that she sent us, uh, talking about her process and working on this, and uh, we can play that. Hi. I'm Magali Villeneuve, and I'm one of the illustrators who worked on the Stormlight Archive. So I'm really happy this project is being revealed now and that I'm able to talk about it some more. So to make things short, there are two main reasons why I really did enjoy working on those two pieces. The first reason probably was the freedom of creation I was given by Brandon Sanderson and Isaac Stewart from the Dragonsteel team. They were really open to seeing what I would come up with as long as I would respect 
you know, such things like um, what the characters were supposed to be about, what they represented and uh, the symbols around them and all, but starting from that I could really let my imagination run wild. And it doesn't happen all the time, you know, when you are working on illustrations. I'm more used to having really precise guidelines and uh, precise assignments, texts. Here it was more about pure creation and uh, you know, they really wanted to know what would be my ideas and I really want to thank them for that because it was really fun and exciting and also challenging. So yes, it was a really great project. The second reason was that for the first time ever, I think, in my career, I got to work, kind of work directly with another illustrator and I think that's what sold, really sold the project to me was when Isaac told me it would be Howard Lyon. Well, needless to say, I've been following Howard's work for years and I really do admire what he does and his paintings really speak to me. So yeah, when, uh, when I knew we would get to work together, I was totally, yeah, I'm on board, definitely. And uh, I also think it was a really good and unusual idea that uh, the Dragonsteel people had um, because to put things in a nutshell, the deal was that I would first uh, create designs for these two heralds and paint digital paintings, final paintings for them and at the end Howard would get to do an actual painting for uh, those pieces and uh, I've never seen that before and I really was curious to see how because you know our styles are a bit different so I was really curious and also a bit honored to to see uh, Howard's painting and when I saw the first one I was amazed and uh, it was a really great moment for me and I was really surprised by how close uh, it was uh, to, to my painting. It was... I really did love that. So I hope you will as well. And yeah, thanks everyone and thank you the Dragonsteel team. Bye-bye! Wonderful to work with, and I hope that we'll be able to show you more things from her in the future. Um, if we go to the next image there, we're just going to show you the, a couple of close-ups of Howard's, uh, Howard's painting of uh, Magali's Herald. And then let's talk about the uh, back-end papers, which were done by Carla Ortiz. Carla Ortiz is known for magic cards and concept art for Marvel. Uh, among other things, and she is fantastic. She's a great artist. I was looking for an opportunity to work with her, and when uh, the, these heralds came up, uh, the heralds Nail and Chana, we, I, I couldn't think of anybody else to have do this, and luckily she said yes when we, we contacted her about that. Um, let's, uh, she sent us a video, and let's, uh, let's play that. So we started talking about working together um, earlier this year, I think. Um, it was Isaac who hit me up. <laughs> He's like, hey, um, Brandon would really like to work with you. Um, I already knew about, you know, 
the project because I've had friends of mine, uh, illustrator peers who've worked on it before and you know, they sent me information on the characters, on where it was going to be published, it was going to be a special edition, like kind of a big deal type of situation, but that they also wanted it to be done in oils. And to me, that was one of those things where it's like, it was a little nerve wracking um, because I don't often work in oils for clients. Um, I normally work digitally. That's because with oils, like oils just takes time. For example, to be able to photograph an oil painting well, you there's only two times that you can do it. It can only happen when the painting is actually wet, freshly painted, um, or about maybe depending on how thick you know you paint, the you know maybe about a, two weeks, a month, maybe two months before you're able to varnish it and properly you know bring back the the vibrancy of the oils otherwise it just it it pictures flat it's horrible and everybody's like wondering like wait do you really know how to do this really like, yeah you do it's just it takes forever <laughs> um but they understood uh i feel like isaac and brandon really um, both understood uh you know what it's like to work in oils they've worked done it before and so i felt confident you know moving forward with them on this um First, you know, we started doing really solid sketches. I, I tried to make the sketches look as close as possible to the final as I could. Um, especially working with oils, you do not want like <laughs> midway through the painting to be like, hey, actually about this section, I don't know about it, maybe change it. And you're just crying, cutting up the canvas in pieces. No, you can't do that. So you really, really want to make sure that you nail the you know, the sketch that it's in the right direction and that it's clear as possible so everybody knows where we're going. Um, once we got the okay for both characters, then, you know, was able to start the project. The funny part, though, is that as soon as we started, you know, getting ready for, you know, actually doing the big oil paintings, that's around the same time as COVID-19 hit um, and really started getting serious out here. And almost everything that could have gone wrong went wrong during that time. And just both in life and like materials and just everything, everything went crazy. Um, but funny enough, the paintings become, became kind of a bit of a sanctuary for me. Um, the big scary world out there was horrible, but oil painting and painting, you know, uh, Nail and Sharana, Sharana, <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> Shana, I never got her full name, so I'm so sorry, I'm horrible, please don't hate me, <laughs> but anyway, so, I, you know, getting Nail and Shana to look just like the characters, you know, how Brandon envisioned them, like, to have, like, Shana's, like, motherliness and kindness show through, and to have Nail's, like, justice above all type of situation you know personality show through it was really important and it became almost like i wouldn't necessarily say obsession because that's not healthy but obsession <laughs> but yeah it was it was really fantastic to have that you know it brought a lot of solace to be able to work on something that i know is loved by many many people um and it became kind of like a little temple type of situation they became my temple um 
and they were a joy. Like it's it's I, again, I don't often work on oils for you know clients, but whenever I can, it's always a joy. Much more when they're cool characters, and I just hope fans like it. Uh, <laughs> that's about it. That's all one can hope for, right? And you know that you get to do more, because it's fun. All right, I think that's all I gotta say. <laughs> Bye, friends. So Carla was wonderful to work with on this. She instinctively grasped the symbolism behind the characters, and I think that she did a great job representing them. Uh, we have a couple of close-up images that I want to show you of these, um, mainly because I want to show how she interpreted the spren. And um, so the first one here is uh, on Chana. And she's painted Chana and when you see Nail, both very realistically. But if you look at the way that she's done the spren, she's done this in sort of a novel way where we've seen more literal interpretations. Now we're seeing an impressionistic interpretation of this. That's thick paint on there. I want to lick it. It's been in my office for weeks and I will not <laughs> lick it. I promise. Um, Incidentally, if I ever write an autobiography, I want it to be called I Licked a Van Gogh. And I hope that I'm not writing it from jail. Um, <laughs> let's go to the next one. So uh, with nail, the spren in this picture are more like splatters. They're blue splatters, very well-placed brush splatters on the, and I just love this, that it's this impressionistic take on the spren. And, and it's, it works really well in world because I think artists in world would also wonder how do, how do I interpret this aspect of my world? And that would be one way. All right, so next image. I get the manuscript, I read the whole thing, I make notes on it. On this one you can see where I'm starting to think about the redesign of the stormlight symbol. Uh, trying to simplify it because that was on my mind at the time. I've blurred out a lot of the manuscript here because I don't want to cause spoilers. But also you'll see down in here there's a little map that I've drawn that will later show up on one of the Navani sketchbook pages. I read the book and I start to map things out, which sounds really funny, but I map it out. Um, and if we go to the, the book map here, I take every chapter in the book at least to the closest approximation because some of these change a little bit as it's edited and I put illustrations in the, the parts that I feel they're going to augment the story the best. I don't want to bunch up a bunch of illustrations at one point. I want to spread them out. Um, I try to begin a part with an illustration if it's helpful. A map is a good way to begin a part sometimes. But once we get into part five, when the climax starts, my rule is, is that I don't put anything in the middle of the climax that's going to stop the reading, because that, that's our, that's our uh, Brandon Avalanche at that point, and I do not want to get in the way of that. All right, so let's uh, go to the next page here. So we are this is how we are starting the book. I knew a lot of the action was going to take place in Urethiro. We hired Ben McSweeney um, we, to do a picture of the atrium. We've seen the pictures of the outside of Urethiro. Um, we added that one from Oathbringer because we felt like it was a good reminder of what had taken place in Oathbringer and what does Urethiro look like. It's not a standard city. Um, we're going to need this throughout the book. 
And the atrium um, is so that we can see what does the inside of Urethero look like. Let's give some more visual clues here. Um, I work with Brandon also to know which are the next viewpoint icons because each, sometimes there's new characters. And so let's, let's uh, fill that out with uh, um, viewpoint icons. There's, in this book, we've had, I, uh, I'm all over the place, sorry, tongue twister. Um, we've seen Risen, we've seen Teravangian before. It was well-timed that they got their own viewpoint icons. Um, if we have that up. And then there's always a new flashback icon. And this provided a challenge to us because in this book, we are seeing past from Eshenai and Venli, who both have their own icons at this point. And previously, we would just do a, a um, inverse image of the character, yeah, uh, of their character icon. And this, in, in this case, we combined them together and did an inverse. And I feel like it brought out a really a nice combination there that works for the flashbacks that's up on the screen right now. There's a few other new icons as well. One that Howard did that we wanted to put in Oathbringer, but we never found the place to do that. And so that shows up in this book um, as well. The next thing we do is an art log. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. It's an Excel spreadsheet. Kara's over here getting excited. Um, it's a spreadsheet where I take that map that I drew out, I type it out, I send it to Tor so that their layout artists can figure out where everything goes in the book. Let's go to uh, next, Dan Dos Santos. He did fashion plates for us. Um, we decided in this book that we wanted for the fashion plates to be doing singer fashion. They have kind of risen to their own over the last three books, and now they are getting their own fashion. Um, do you have those up right now? So this is a difficult thing because the Parshendi, the singers, the listeners, we've read a lot about them. A lot of, there's been a lot of fan art, but how do we interpret this in a way that's going to please everybody? And the, the answer is we can't please everybody. But in the end, I think this is a great interpretation of the uh, of the uh, singers. Um, in the end, whatever is in your head is right for your story. Brandon is scripting this out for you. We're providing concept art, and you get to direct your version of the Stormlight Archive. Um, but I think that Dan nailed this. The biggest thing that I came to Dan with on this was there needs to be some relatability to these characters. I want the viewers to look at it and say, I can relate with the, the uh, listeners. I can relate with the singers. Um, last minute, Dan sent us a video, and I have not watched it. So th this is going to be new for all of us. Um, and I really appreciate Dan sending this, though. He really wanted to be part of this. He's been really busy with projects. And um, he's just been great to work with, as always. Hi everyone, I'm Dan DeSantos, aka Dando's The Oil Sworn. I wish we could all be together for the release of Rhythm of War, but I guess we'll, this will have to suffice for now. Uh, thank you all for being here. Isaac Stewart, the art director on this book, asked me to say a few words about my pieces in the book, which I'm really proud to be a part of again. 
the two pieces I have in A Rhythm of War are the ones you see here, which I'm sure Isaac will probably have in some sort of slideshow. Uh, and they really kind of started, uh, they're continuing the idea of doing fashion plates that we had in the previous two volumes, which I had also done. And they were always conceived in black and white, and they're meant to kind of show whatever race that's in the book in their, just to help build up the world building and show their natural attire and slip it into the story somehow. And these two pieces actually kind of spawned from this Parshendi piece I did just for fun for myself. Uh, I was working on a piece for Isaac, and lots of times when I work on a painting, I kind of start to draw other unrelated things to it. Uh, and so in the case of, of this project, I was doing a painting of Kaladin. I kind of re-listened to the first Stormlight book and just had my headphones on listening to the audio book and drawing all these scenes until I got to the scene I had to draw. And in that time, I just started sketching out what I thought a Parshendi warrior would look like. Uh, and that's what you see here. And for me, I was drawing it because it was one of the few aspects of the story that I really didn't have a clear vision of in my head. Well, that's not true. There's actually quite a few things in the story that I feel like maybe I don't picture as clearly as, as I'd like to. And so by drawing it out, I kind of start to explore, well, how would I make these things? How would I make the red and black striations on a Parshendi? Would it be really fine marble-like striations or would it be coarser and could there be interesting patterns that help distinguish one parchment parchman from another? Uh, so I was really fortunate when Isaac asked me to do the fashion plates based on parchment again for the following books. Uh, so I decided to do a female kind of in her lithe state and then, you know, a masculine and feminine one over here. And even though they appear in black and white in the book, uh, I actually have the originals here to show you guys if you're interested. You can start to see, I actually conceive of them in color, at least in, in this case, because I thought the color was so important for these characters. Uh, hopefully you can see that here. I don't know about the light. Uh, so here we have the live state. And here, this one, it's not totally complete yet. I was still uncertain about the background and how I wanted to treat that. And some things work in color that don't work in black and white. So I decided to finish it off on the computer before I really decided what I wanted to do with it. And then I'll go back and I'll probably finish them here. Uh, but these are rather small for me, but for book size and for black and white, they kind of suffice like that. And almost everything you see uh, in the books I've painted, you can see a little bit of uh, Warbreaker up there, traditionally in oil paints, before it gets a little bit of work done in Photoshop. And then Isaac takes over and makes it look beautiful in the book that hopefully you're holding today in your hands. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed a little peek at the studio and some of the creation of the art for uh, Rhythm of War. Enjoy your night. Thank you, Dan, for uh, sending that to, to us. And, uh, and thank you for not rickrolling us with it. So, <laughs> um, so Dan's always great to work with. And uh, I hope to be able to have more fashion plates from him in future books. Um, so we are almost done here. But let's highlight um, Navani sketchbook pa uh, notebook pages in this. Um, these come from Kelly Harris. Um, and Kelly Harris. Um, has started doing the Navani uh, notebook pages for us in the last book, replacing the, the art that I did. So there was a big jump in quality that I'm sure in between books, Navani had been practicing quite a bit. And um, Kelly couldn't, uh, couldn't get us a, a video, but she sent me a little note saying that she loves being a part of the Stormlight books, and she sends her gratitude to 
um, Team Dragon Steel, and also to all of the readers who are loving her art. She really appreciates the, uh, the kind comments that everybody is giving. These are a collaboration, really, between me and Kelly. When I read the book, I actually thumbnail some of these things out, and I have to lay it out because we later have to put women's script text in there. So um, I do a little bit of layout. I tell Kelly, this is where we need some things. She does some concept art. We go back and forth. We show it to Brandon. Um, and it, we whittle it down into the pieces that we, how we want them to be. And we'll, ju we'll just uh, kind of scroll through the, these here. They're all in women's script. So the, the first one, we have uh, the, the flying ships. We have some things about capturing spren. We have the crystal pillar room. If we go to the next one, we have a cool looking dagger um, as, and then some, some uh, cymatic pattern type things that we have been seeing throughout the books up to this point. Anyway, we are very grateful to always have Kelly on board now with these books, with uh, Navani's uh, notebook pages. And um, thank you, Kelly, for lending your genius to this book. Lastly, there's the maps. And I'm just going to say I love putting together the maps because Naz gets to kind of come out and annotate things and um, say all sorts of crazy, snarky stuff. And if it's over the top or too much, that's my fault, not Brandon's. Um, he lets me kind of do some fun things with Naz there. Um, I imagine him to have, so, so my kids are watching the new DuckTales now and the Scrooge McDuck I've been hearing. And I'm like, oh, that Scrooge McDuck is great. And I found out that it's David Tennant. And I am a, <laughs> who is Scottish, right? So, and, and I'm a big Doctor Who fan. So if you want to read the NAS pages or the little notes in sort of a gruff Scottish accent, um, that's how I imagine them. Um, or, or a kind of gruff Peter Capaldi, um, that's how I imagine it. So one thing I do want to point out on the map um, of Azir and Emul is we've talked about Tuckerizations a little bit. And this year, Kara's grown her team quite, quite a bit. And so we added some tuckerizations to this map in the form of cities. So if you go to the acknowledgments and see if you can match up some of those. Um, I do want to point out the Rossendar um, and say he was somebody who helped us with the Knight's Radiant quiz. And um, I was very grateful for that help. So his name is a little bit bigger on the map. <laughs> So that, that's it for my presentation. Um, thank you for enjoying the book. Thank you for enjoying the art and for letting us do crazy things with these books that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So, uh, thank you very much. <laughs>